Hello, and welcome to Hey Listen, Something is Happening, the studio sessions. What you are about to hear is a short series of Goldsmiths BA Design third year interviews conducted between January and March 2020. Back when we were tripping over one another and the walls hummed with the sound of incubating ideas, we crammed ourselves into a corner of the studio once a week and shared our projects when they were still in the early stages of their development. These eight episodes are the products of those encounters. Please follow the channel to hear more from our year group and stay tuned for the Hey Look Something Is Happening virtual show commencing the 22nd of June. We hope you enjoy hearing these insightful moments that have remained frozen in the empty studios until now. Episode 3, Meg and Ollie. Meg interviews Ollie. Um, I'm going to do the admin bit. Um, could you say your name? Uh, Meg. Uh, Meg, uh, actually. Meg. And Ollie. Um, Ollie. Cool. Pratt. <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. You know, address. Because Ollie's cool. Do you want to try that again? <laughs> Telephone. No, no, it's fine. Like another Ollie Pratt. Ollie Pratt. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> um, and also, can we do the brief description of what you're working on right now? Um, working with found materials um, from a specific area, which is Rye Lane in Peckham, and using, quote, primitive um, techniques and ways of making and just exercising that on those materials. Perfect. That's exactly what we um, And now we'll start with the first question. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had two slices of toast with loads of butter and a little bit of peanut butter on them. So, Ollie, what have you brought today? Um, so basically what I've got is, it's called a Rubo saw, I think. Um, and essentially what it is, is just like a rectangular wooden frame, which is made out of pallet wood, um, with a saw blade going through the middle of it. Um, and it's about the size, it's, it's probably about the size of a medium sized dog is the size of it. Um, yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah. And it's, um. Yeah, so it's made out of pallet wood, which, as I said earlier, it's to do with the fact that it's all made from everything I'm making is from Riley and, um, and just, yeah, just trying to suss out pallet wood itself as a material because it's, there's a lot more to it than people might think. Like on the, on the street, you walk past it all the time. Um, but there's, there's loads of little things about it that people may not realize, like it's chemically treated or heat treated and um, just things like that. Um, so just like trying to suss out that really. you've spoken about it being like not what everybody else says it's kind of like a different different to what it means because I think it looks quite a like a raw material that's kind of what's interesting about it in a way is that like it although it looks really natural because um, it's obviously wood it's actually kind of like man-made and really unnatural um, it's actually a really horrible material as well to work with um, which is what kind of like has now um started the trajectory of where I'm at now, which was that I couldn't use the wood, the found material, which was the pallet wood in the workshop using the machinery. So now that's kind of given me a hurdle, which is like, given me a chance to be creative and like how I overcome that hurdle. Um, so where I couldn't lay that on the machine because there's, for example, nails in it and things like that, which would ruin the machinery. I've now, I'm now making my own tools out of the materials, found materials, 
to make my own machinery out of the fan materials to work with the fan materials. So it's like this weird circular thing going on, basically. Is that what this tool is? It's a found material tool to move on? Or is it something you've made from other tools that you found? It's kind of like, it's weird. I, I'm kind of working as I go. So I'm not kind of, it's it's hard to start, com be completely authentic with it. So like, I can't make everything out of the fan materials because like, I just don't have the time or the like, resources to do that. Um, but I can like try and make it as authentic as possible. So say for example, with this saw, I had to make two other saws to make this saw. So then I ended up with three saws in making the one saw. So then like when it comes to making the lathe at the end, I'll have like, this is how I like accumulate my toolkit for making it. So what role has the object that you've brought in played in your project recently? Yeah, so it's I had this material, which was a pallet wood, which I was found and I wasn't allowed to use it on the machinery in the workshop. So um, every tool I make now is like on the journey to making my own lathe, basically. So this saw is a part of that. So and every tool that I make is going to be in order is going to help with the next tool. You know what I mean? So I think if I'm going to make this toolkit, I might as well think about the order that tools come in. Um, so for example, I started with just like a ruler, made a ruler that helps. And then everything from that was just so the, ruler, the ruler was used on the hammer, the hammer was used on the saw and so on. So, yeah, that's basically it's like an exponential toolkit to try and get to a lathe at the end. Yeah. So is it that one thing you wanted is now what you're trying to get to because you couldn't use it at the beginning? Or is that like another way of kind of talking that through? No, that's pretty much exactly it. Like, I'm just explaining this terribly, but it's a very simple idea. <laughs> but it's but within that simple idea, there's loads of nuances and things like that that you only realize when you start on that journey. Like, before I wouldn't have thought that all these little things that I'm figuring out would be there. But in just doing it and like, starting that journey like loads of little things are coming up that i didn't realize were interesting but they are and it's just a finding a way of like framing that um at the end when it comes to the show i guess it's quite poetic really it's quite nice the so all the tools you're making you said it was all like focused on kind of rye lane as well so how much and and some of the tools obviously you can't just use found materials are you finding that as like a challenge to kind of weave a line between the two yeah. For sure, like there's, with the, it, it kind of highlights the fact that like authenticity is not, you can't just suddenly become like live, you know. Yeah, authenticity is more of a, a process. Like I wouldn't be able to make a tool like a saw out of just found materials just yet because I need to, I don't have the skills or the, <clears throat> or the know-how or like the tools to do that. So you can't just, it's really hard to start from scratch and then like work up because like it's obviously taken like humanity like two million years to do that. So for me to now be like, I'm going to be completely authentic and just start with down materials and just go from there, it would be pretty much impossible for me um, and just unrealistic. But it's like that process of becoming authentic like over time. So yeah, so by the end, the lathe that I make will be completely out of found materials, but only I would only have been able to do that. And now I've kind of gone through this process, if that makes sense. Are there any like makers that have inspired you with kind of this process of authenticity? Um, kind of. I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say there was one specific maker or like designer. I'd say it was more just because this whole project was inspired by um, uh, like primitive technologies such as like, um, and processes like flint napping and um, I don't know, weaving, things like that. And recently there's been a surge in um, like YouTube videos becoming really, really popular because people like missing that sense of authenticity like in their life and they just want that it's like a utopian vision to be 
like off grid and you know be able to sustain yourself without help from anyone else and i can't remember what the original question was but um yeah and that's what inspired this project and so it's basically been a journey of like um seeing how those ways of making and like sustenance is how that can be applied to like the modern or like urban environments and like so we can live off the land in a forest or wherever and we we did so for thousands of years and then but how is that how can that be translated into like an urban environment or a modern the modern day and how not even just like the literal skills like um like i said like flint napping and things like that but the principles of it so you know yeah yeah being able to sort of make things from the materials that are there as opposed to like constantly like exporting and importing things like so if i'm going to make something i'm going to make if we had if we like relocalized to some degree like could we be more sustainable probably yeah so so what are you going to do next with the lathe when you fill that from your found tool materials um i haven't actually thought about that yet but because like because the what if the lathe doesn't work or like if there's issues with that it's not really important but it's more the pursuit of that of the lathe as a thing and then like obviously I'm, it, it would be great if it worked and like if i could sort of lave something on it but the i don't think at this point anyway it's not that's not really important it's more about the journey and things that i find out and the way it's documented um so yeah I think really what's interesting is about the authenticity kind of element that you've got here and you've spoken about sustainability. Is that for you where this project has kind of come from, the like want for being authentic? I think in some ways, yes. Um, but it, it did a lot of what this project is came out of like a concern or like a sustainable sustainability um, standpoint. So I was looking at ideas of the Anthropocene and how the idea that Earth is becoming an increasingly artificial construct, and then that's where the ideas of like living off the land in in when Earth is an artificial construct, and such like how what would that look like? So that's when it came in with um, lint napping concrete or making cord out of pallet strapping things like that. Um, and this is the, like this laid idea, and these tools are just like a natural progression of those ideas. Um, yeah. So would you consider this almost a kind of urban equivalent to your traditional kind of primary sector jobs? So like farming, mining, carpentry, woodwork, but it's putting it in an urban environment, as you say. I would, yeah, I would agree with that to some degree. Um, yes, it's kind of like recontextualizing um, the, I, I hate the word primitive for it, even though I'm using it so much because like when you say primitive, there's so many connotations to it you think like basic simple which it is obviously like often it is that but a lot of the time when we think of progress in terms of like civilization we're thinking of like um becoming getting more high-tech and complicated whereas actually a lot of the time the reverse is actually more progressive so low-tech can be actually more progressive so one doesn't directly constitute the other it's kind of and that's kind of what this is talking about and so the high-tech machinery at the workshop won't be able to do what my lathe will be able to do kind of highlights the skill in traditional working methods definitely um and i've thought about what it would be like for if if we had no um in the workshops here at goldsmiths so if we didn't have any high-tech machinery like a lathe or a 2d printer like could would it actually make us more creative in how we went about making 
like if we just had hand tools, then might what we make be more, we had to actually think about what we're doing and use our hands as opposed to just our fingertips to press buttons. So this one I'll throw you off. Um, in one sentence, describe what design means for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to just describe the face that you made as well. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, let me just think. No one's going to help you. Yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around right now trying to... Um, I'm going to jump in. I think this, this question can mean... Uh, this can be quite related to your current working okay. methods, your current working processes. It yeah. doesn't have to be a definition of design. That you okay. Get from the design museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, okay. Do you want to? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's go for that. Um, Okie dokie. So, in one sentence, describe what design means for you. For me, at the moment, it would be making or thinking through making things. Um, yeah, thinking about the world. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about how the object you have brought today fits in with this definition of design? Well, yeah. So this object, the saw, um, like many of the other tools and objects that I've been making, are are me thinking. Like, and if I hadn't made these things, I wouldn't have thought the things I thought and like gotten to where I am without having come to obstacles in the making process and thinking, oh, well, that's interesting. Like that didn't work or I didn't realize that that could do that or, you know, little things that had I not like pursued the making part, I wouldn't have realized if I just sat at my desk looking at a laptop. To end, what would you like your outro music to be? Oh, geez. this is harder than the what is design <laughs> question. Um, Enter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> Excellent, cool. Thanks, Ollie. It's all right. <laughs> Sweet, cool. Nice one. That was great. Cheers, guys. That was really good. It's more about the journey and things that I find out the way it's documented. A saw made from things found in Peckham designed to make a tool to make another tool to make a lathe. Go and check out Ollie's lathe on YouTube, it's bloody fantastic.